Hey everyone, thank you for listening to the Bibleology Podcast with Chessa and Lori. Hey friends, we love the Bible and we want you to love it too. Everyone should feel comfortable asking questions about the Bible, God, and their journey with Him. Join us as we study and talk about the Bible and Jesus, as well as learn scripture in a raw, honest, and challenging way. We share our own personal stories and viewpoints while teaching the Bible. You'll get to hear people's testimonies and some incredible and inspiring stories anywhere from a new believer to a seasoned Christian to a biblically trained scholar teaching us God's word. We hope to encourage you to dig deep into scripture and discover for yourself how important the Bible and your walk with Jesus is. Come along with us and grow your faith. Hey everyone. So have you ever wondered what heaven is going to look like? Are we just spirits floating around, or are we going to know who our loved ones are? The Bible tells us to talk about heaven, so that's exactly what we are going to do. On today's episode, Pastor Sam Leatherman has joined us again and takes us on a fascinating, in-depth, and thought-provoking journey on what Scripture says about heaven. And we also shared some of our own thoughts and perceptions as well. So if you listened to our last episode with Sam, then you know how knowledgeable he is about theology and his love for Scripture. We definitely know you'll learn something new, and we know that you'll be stretched in a deeper way to learn and discover what God has in store for us. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey guys, welcome back to Bibleology. So today we have, again, the one and only Sam Leatherman. (laughs) (laughs) Yay! And today we're going to be talking about a topic that is very exciting, and we're going to talk about heaven. So. We were really excited to hear what Sam has to teach us about heaven. And there are a lot of misconceptions about heaven. And I think every, every believer has a certain perspective or way that they think heaven is going to work or what it's going to look like. Like, are we going to know each other? Are we going to be spirits floating around? You know, there's all the, are we going to eat? Are we going to drink? Are we going to learn? Are we going to know people when we get there? Are we going to remember people that aren't there? There's so many questions. So we're really excited today to um, just talk about, and I think it's important to talk about. The Bible tells us to talk about heaven and to look forward to heaven. So it's going to be a good one. So yeah, Sam, what do you think? Teach us. Teach us all you know. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I think heaven is, uh, like, when I started to study this, this is a topic that I thought I knew about, (laughs) but then after studying it, probably starting about six years ago, I really started to, to look at the, what heaven is and, and what my misconceptions is like. I always thought when we die, we become like angels, right? Mm-hmm. Or we grow wings. Um, you know, will you recognize people? Uh, I, I for sure thought we were a disembodied spirit. So we're like a wispy, thing floating around in some (laughs) other dimension or like super high above the clouds. I don't know. And so for me, that's kind of where my baseline was. And, um, was heaven an exciting thought? No, not at all. So yeah, yeah. Like like, you're kind of bored. You're going to get there and what are we going to do? What are we going to do the whole time we're there? I mean, the main draw for heaven is you didn't go to hell. Right. If you're being honest, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you've heard about hell. You really haven't heard about heaven other than like, there's a, there's a kings and angels throwing crowns down at the throne of Jesus singing, holy, 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 forever and ever, amen. And you're like, so is that what we're... <laughs> or the, the rooms, like, if I'm, am I going to am I gonna be better than my friends and family? So I'm going to have my separate room, my separate mansion, my separate yeah. house, and then I'm not going to see my friends. That's yeah. what I always thought, too. Or, like, what my <laughs> husband always says is, as long as I get in the door and get a hammock, I will be fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or uh, what's the old saying is, uh, I'd, ra- I'd, I'd rather be a janitor in heaven sweeping streets of gold rather than the alternative, oh, right? right. So, like, <laughs> I will take anything as long as I make it through those pearly gates, right? And so, uh, my thought is, like, okay, uh, there's a lot of views about heaven, about, like, what happens? Do we go to heaven? Like, I've heard people say that. Like, before. to a physical place? Like, we when we die, we go to heaven. It's out time of time and space reality, like all these things um, we start to think about because it start we start to encounter and start to like try to understand what it means to be in like this other uh, spiritual dimension, right? Because essentially heaven isn't like real, like you can't like take a spaceship 
to heaven, right? Uh, okay. Can you? I don't know. I, and so, like, as a Christian, you always kind of think you have this idea that you're just going to be in the presence of Jesus, mm-hmm. face down, worshiping forever and ever and yes. ever and ever. Playing a harp. But yeah, or like a fat baby strolls by <laughs> playing a harp or, you know, or a cool angel with armor walks by and you're like, ooh, I got in, whatever. <laughs> So uh, anyway, all that to say is a few people, Randy Alcorn um, had this book called Heaven that I recommend, highly recommend it, kind of open your eyes. I love it because in the beginning of the book, he just really says like, test me against scripture. Mm-hmm. And it, at parts when he does take liberties and things, he actually said like, hey, I'm speculating here, mm-hmm. but uh, this is my thought process to it. Take it what you want. And so um, he does that in a few parts, but he lays it out for you. So but don't you think that I always think when we speculate or we dream about something or we like pretend, oh, I wonder if it's like this or what if it's like that? I always think that God likes it when we do that. Because it's like a parent, like when you're watching your kid and you're just watching their wheels turn yeah. and they go, man, just like, like a kid that's never been to Disneyland before. And they're like, oh my gosh, I bet you there's like, you know, 50 foot roller coasters and there's like lollipops the size of, you know, whatever. And then you go, okay, but when we get there, you're going to love it. And I feel like God, even though we may not get it right, mm-hmm. I think God likes it that we are excited about this place and that we talk about it and we yeah. do speculate. Yeah, you know? for sure. I mean, the it- wonder of it. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that the Bible doesn't give us a clear black and white blueprint for what to expect in heaven, which leads me to the thought, okay, as I started to understand, like, okay, what are my understanding of heaven? Read this book, read some scriptures, listened to a few podcasts and things. And I'm like, okay, this is starting to stretch my paradigm, like of what I used to think heaven is. How do I fit this in? And something that really helped me, as I stated, uh, you know, when we talked about Nephilim or really anything in, in the Bible is you have to, and I say this all the time, is like the Bible was written for us, but not to us, which so you have to understand uh, why is that important when it comes to the topic of heaven? Because uh, when Jesus talks about heaven, one of the most famous things that a lot of people get their theology is he says, I go to build a place for you right in my father's house so john 14 one through four there's many rooms right yeah and uh and then what's that song um who sings that song uh come and yeah. go with me to oh my father's house. is it dc talk no no we saw in hawaii audio journal audio journal is that no no, no. Um, I'm horrible with music. Yeah, my wife. Me too. Yeah. I apologize to if you're listening. <laughs> Someone's cringing right now. No. Uh, so anyway, it's, and so the, a lot of people are like, okay, there's that one, and then the the big topic of rapture, right? Uh, where yeah. we will be, we will meet Jesus in the cloud, and so uh, in the air, and uh, and so the first one, the reason why again it's important to understand putting yourself in the sandals of a first century Jew, who Jesus was, is understanding. When he says things like this, we read it as, wow, there's a giant mansion in the cloud somewhere. And if you make mm-hmm. it through the pearly gates, stroll down the streets of gold, like you'll maybe find your mansion or your hut, right? Or whatever, like, right? You're, you're maybe there or and God has a super massive house and he has a room for you. And, uh, and so it's interesting, though, because when Jesus was saying that, you have to remember, again, he was speaking to Jewish people and to them. You, in order to even get into like the inner part of the temple, which the temple represented where God came to earth, right? God's spirit was actually on earth. And so in order to get even into that, you had to have so many qualifications. You had to be born into the right tribe, first of all, the Levite, right? And so you had to have all these things that are out of your control and in your control. And so, Jesus, and so they would have been aware of like, okay, the temple is like this place where God's present meets us on earth. And so when Jesus is saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you uh, in my father's house are many rooms. The rooms is that, that word is actually, I remember listening and, and doing a study on it. The room is actually a, a bide or abode. So it's like your tabernacle, you're, you're in, you're dwelling in this place. And so it's referencing the, the rooms that were in the temple. So he's not saying like we're going to a mansion somewhere. He's saying the place where God meets us on here on earth, the one place on earth where the temple is set up in Jerusalem, the rooms that are in the temple 
in the house of God, you are going to be that close to the fathers. You're going to be able to reside in the exact same place that the spirit of God is. Wow. That's cool. Like, like that's cool. So instead it takes you from, I'm going off to some mansion yes. to on earth here. What I can understand as a first century Jew is, Oh my gosh, like, the really awesome priests get to go into there and they get to do this and they encounter God. Like I will be able to be a part of that. Like that is super cool. Right. And so just understanding again, some of the, the historical context really illuminate. Oh, wow. I'm not putting on my modern 21st century glasses to read the scripture. I'm pulling truth from the scripture and I'm seeing, wow, this is actually, he was referring to something else. Right. And then the, the one or that the classic, I forget the, the, the Bible address, for it, but basically we meet Jesus up in the air. Uh, there's a word study on it, and uh, I think it was Tim Mackey said it's basically the same as like when a royal person would come into town, they would greet them. So the correct translation shouldn't be we get caught up to meet him. It's more like a greeting of someone royal. Hmm. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Of like, it is. like yeah. it's, it, and so um, that's what. And so you take all that. Okay, why does that make sense? Okay, for, so. It's not some mansion in the cloud that Jesus is like, as soon as there's a convert, he pulls out his hammer and nails and starts carpentering, you know, a new room for them. No, he was making a, a metaphor to his disciples like, hey, I'm going away. But guess what? Don't don't be scared. You're going to be able to be in the father's house. And so I, I thought that was cool. And so, so it's more like proximity to God, not in a physical structure, but he's telling them. You are going to be so close to him. Your proximity. Wise. Yes. Yeah. You're going to be in the house of God, God, which to them, their, their framework would have been like, wow, like where's God, where's God's presence in mm -hmm. ancient Israel before the Holy spirit got released. Right. It was in the temple. So if you wanted to be as close as you could to the spirit of God, it was in the temple. So yeah. you're, saying, you're going to be right there. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. So what does that mean? Uh, as far as, and I thought this was interesting. Tim Mackey's super smart guy. You guys know him, Bible Project. Yes, he yes. said that... Um, he denied me on our podcast because he's too busy. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's so busy. His secretary was like, I am so sorry, but she goes, there's no way for him to have time to do that. And I was like, well, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Thanks for emailing me, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Well, <laughs> smart guy. He is. So he uh, basically was saying um, how not once in the Bible does it say we go to heaven. Oh. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. And then if you listen to, and like N.T. Wright, you guys know N.T. Wright? Yes. So he we is, talked about him last time. Remember the British guy sitting in his high back chair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smoking yeah. his oh, yeah, pipe, yeah. remember? <laughs> so <laughs> he basically, he's like really revolutionizing within the last 20 or so years of like this whole concept of heaven on earth. And he's really bringing into light, which is one of the guys that I was studying, is um, the Bible actually talks time and time again about how the heaven is actually going to come down on earth, the new Jerusalem, right? And we always think like, for some reason, it's so common to have this theology of heaven is like we go off someplace yeah. and like the earth is done away with. Mm -hmm. And that's just not, not true. In fact, um, I have a scripture that I wanted to read. Uh, let me pull it up here um, that talks about pretty much against this concept of heaven being this place that's off earth and earth gets kind of uh, wiped away with. And it is that is because we always say she went to heaven. Well, think about it, though, to it would make sense to us that because I believe what Sam's saying, I, I have believed for a long time that it's going to be earth and heaven become one. But it does make sense because think about it. When a person dies, they're not here anymore. We can't see their spirit. We automatically assume, well, they've left, right? They've left. They've gone off. They're with God now because mm -hmm. we can't see God and we can't see them. So we just assume they're together somewhere, right? And they're not here. So. And one of the most misquoted verses in the entirety of the heaven discussion is when Paul says uh, to be absent from the body is what? Present with the Lord. Present with the Lord. It doesn't say that in scripture at all. It doesn't use those words. Hmm. That's just something that we've read. I don't know where that's actually originally really? from. It, he does not say those words. Anyway, so uh, let me read you Romans 8, 20. Uh, a little chunk of scripture. 
that talks about it reinforces this concept that okay if heaven isn't off somewhere where in the bible is it proving this so romans 8 20 says for the creation was subjected to frustration so creation not by its own choice but by the will of the one who subjected it so adam in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of children of god we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to this present time paul's saying like yeah it creation is still right. in not its right state not only so but ourselves who have this fruit first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption of sonship the redemption of our bodies for in this hope we were saved but hope that is not to be seen at all who hopes that we already have and then he goes on talking about being in the spirit so creation itself is actually wanting to be redeemed and so what that means then is jesus if you were to ask a christian and say okay why did jesus come why would you to would save you, sinners to save people to save people mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right to mm -hmm. die for our sins yep. it's i bet that would be almost the exact sunday school answer you get most right. people but the truth is jesus came to redeem all creation we're a part of creation but for some reason we separate ourselves that we are better than trees or plants or this world or whatever but god created this and said it was good right and so he wants to redeem that and uh and so there's just this this concept that we think that the earth is this decayed and broken place and that one day we will go off to a better heaven somewhere in that mm -hmm. earth but in, clearly scripture teaches us that like even the earth creation is wanting to be redeemed well i have a question um and i i agree 100 with what you said but if i'm thinking like somebody else that doesn't yeah, yeah. you know there's scripture that talks about the earth being burned up like a garment it'll wear out like a garment and there's another well which we know it's wearing out right it's being subjected to our sin and mm -hmm. the fall of um, humanity but that the earth will eventually burn up in fire so is that a purifying fire is that symbolic is that part of do you know what scripture that is mm, i'll find it so the, the, top well, the only the only reason i ask and you don't have to find it if you don't want to here's how i would understand that without knowing the exact context behind that is um, it kind of in my mind goes to how are we supposed to get like um, new bodies say a lot of people have really strong feelings about cremation after they die mm -hmm. like I want to be buried I don't want to be cremated because how can God redeem or bring you back from ashes or whatever right right and so there's some some theology some you know certain pieces of Christianity or Catholicism that like no it's very you cannot you know be cremated you must be returned to dust or whatever and uh, i always think i always just question like well, what about first century christians that got fed to lions like mm -hmm. yeah yeah how how you know yeah. what i mean like not everyone's gonna die in a perfect little way right. where they're gonna be and so um i would say that when god renews creation even if the earth is burned up even if there's some sort of Thing that happens um then it's all part of god's process to restore creation it's kind of what i would yeah i'll have to that. find that i'm gonna have to find that because yeah, yeah. i know that i've read something like that before um but you know there are other scriptures that talk about you know a new heaven and a new earth mm -hmm. so we know scripture clearly teaches yeah. that we are going to have another earth it's going to be new mm -hmm. it's not like people said you know the old earth old heaven old earth passed away yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a new heaven and a new earth totally so when you look at that, you have to think that it's still going to be here. Yes. We know like Jehovah Witnesses, they believe that only 144,000 that's referenced in the book of Revelation mm -hmm. are going to be in heaven with God and everybody else is going to live on the earth. So they think that heaven and earth are separated, but your reward is to be here on earth. And then Mormons believe that there are three levels of heaven. So this, that one is a obscure verse that paul refers to mm -hmm. believe it's second corinthians when he says he gets he's like basically like i was in a vision you know this man he's like referring to himself in the third yeah. person it's kind of funny he's like <laughs> was taken up and whether god knows or not like he like he goes back and forth but basically says like he was taken up to the third heaven and you're like what yeah <laughs> yep. like what does that and so 
the best way that I think I can understand that is understanding again, ancient kind of Hebrew thought on how the world was created. Um, and like there's when it, in the Genesis, it says God created the heavens and the earth, mm -hmm. um, that there's the earth, which is actually, uh, the land is actually um, floating on water. Like there's a deep water in the middle of the earth and the land is supported by pillars. So like, that's why you hear like read in the Bible, the foundations of the earth, or, mm -hmm. because it's, someone thinks that there's actual shaking of these giant pillars that are supporting up the land. They thought a flat earth and there's water underneath it. Right. And so there's these pillars holding it on top of water. So there's land, there's the sky. And then there's this, blue dome that fits over the whole earth mm -hmm. and that blue dome is actually solid and it's uh one of the words for i forget the word but it basically means like hammered out like a shield like it's this this hard thing that's like this this protective thing and like stars are placed in it and things like that and so um basically you have earth you have the skies you have heavens and then above that is kind of where god dwells right and so my best guess as to, and there's not really a lot of people that, that kind of think about that, but basically like, I would say Paul was kind of referring to like, there's the skies, that's first heaven. Second heaven is the, um, the dome. And then the third heaven would be kind of where God, that's my best attempt to, but so I don't know. I've heard this said before. Um, maybe you can talk about this real quick, that the Bible is not a science book. And that, what I just said is very offensive to yeah, a lot of people. I know. And some of you might get mad at me saying that, but when you look at the culture, like you said, the, the, who the Bible was written to, who God used to write the Bible, you know, cause he worked with man on writing the Bible. I yeah, mean, yeah. for lack of a better term. So those people, like you said, they looked at it this way. So when they were describing things, it's not science. Although there are things in the Bible that are scientific, but you want to expand on that? Sure. Okay. I mean, so the sovereignty of God is sovereign. Sovereignty is like uh, your, your ultimate authority and power over something that you rule. Right. And we see time and time again, that the sovereignty of God isn't this thing that is um, God pushes on every situation. We actually see in the Bible, and this may trigger a lot of people, the sovereignty of God is actually uh, entrusted to humans and to angelic, the angelic beings. We see that time and time again, that God isn't just this overarching puppeteer that's like, he actually allows humankind to partake in his sovereignty, which is a very interesting thought, which backs up what you're saying is that the Bible was actually inspired 100% by the spirit of God, but also written through humans. And so it's this really weird balance. That's hard for us to understand. Cause like, well, does it contain error? Well, it doesn't contain error in the message that it's trying to give us. Right. So that means that it couldn't, it doesn't have to be a perfect science textbook textbook where you read every single little date and try to match it up and say the earth is 3026 right. years old. Right. Because that isn't the point of what God was trying to reveal to us through his word. And again, that could offend a lot of people. I would look at the microphone when I'm speaking to other people. I know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> To you out there. So To you inside the microphone. That, yeah, that doesn't mean that I don't think the Bible is inerrant or infallible or that it's uh, some parts are untrue then because it's human. I, I fully believe that God inspired every word in there, but also for the intention that God wanted to. And so with that being said, you have to understand that when you read some of these things, you're like, wait a second, the, the ancient Hebrews thought that the world was a flat earth suspended on pillars over water. And that actually in the big blue thing above that was a layer of water because where else does water come from? You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and so they had these, and for us to say, well, nowadays in the 21st century, we know physics and Newton's three laws and Einstein's theory of blah, blah, right? Like all that, then you can start to say, well, we're just a little bit farther along than them because in a thousand years from now, people are going to look back at our technology and be like, they had no idea what right. they were doing. Right. And so um, I, all that to say is I think that we can still understand the, the message of the Bible. Um, and this is where I believe the great late 
Dr. Heiser said that you can read the Bible and get the message of salvation, but that doesn't mean that you know the Bible. I'm really butchering the paraphrase, but it basically is saying like you can, the Bible's so beautiful because you can read and get the story of redemption. Uh, I had a, a Bible teacher, uh, Dr. Steve Chandler. He said the, the single most important thing that you remember as a pastor is the grand redemptive narrative. It's from the very beginning to the very end of the Bible. The whole thing is about a grand redemptive narrative yeah. returning, you know, creation back to uh, God. And so um, if you read it through those lens, then the Bible doesn't have to be a textbook. It doesn't have to be a history book. It doesn't have to be a biology book. It can, uh, you can find different textual variants in ancient scriptures or manuscripts and things like that and be like, okay, this isn't shattering my worldview of who God is. Um, because I, I firmly believe that the Bible isn't exhaustive of who God is. Right. Right. It's yeah. what he wanted to reveal to us. Well, and I feel like too, when God was inspiring men, right? You know, it was written over a span of 1500 years by 40 different men um, in three different languages. Which is crazy. Continents. We think that's like easy yeah. because we have computers and text messaging. Yeah. They had dried animal skins <laughs> that they would like, you know, and preserve it. Yeah. And then orally tell the stories. And then maybe someone was smart enough to learn how to write. And then they would maybe write down what their great grandpa told. Like, right. This is crazy. Yeah. Anyway. Because by the time that Moses wrote the Pentateuch, and some people don't even know if they believe that he actually wrote all of it. Mm -hmm. He had to have gotten all of that by word of mouth, oral tradition. Mm -hmm. So when he was writing the Bible or the first part of the Bible, you had other texts like the Ugaritic texts mm -hmm. that were already written. Yeah. There were things that were already written. And here they're like, the Israelites all know, like you said last time, no, this is really what happened. Yeah. But what I wanted to say, um, when you were talking about, how the Bible is not exhaustive of who God is and that we don't need to look at it always as a science book or a biology book or, you know, all of those things. God speaks to us in ways that we will comprehend and understand because we can't comprehend his mind or his deepest thoughts mm -hmm. or his intentions or the whole of who he is. So when God's inspiring these writers to write things, like you said, he gets his point across but in a way, like, like you would talk to your girls, like Charlie and Joe, you're not going to tell Charlie and Joe, okay, I want you guys to make dinner. So I want you to go to the store and get some pasta. <laughs> They're two years old. They're going to look at you like, I don't even know what any of those words mean. Yeah. Right. So I feel like God does that with us. Like now when God speaks to each of us individually, he's going to speak to me in a way that I'm going to grasp and understand him. So I feel like the Bible is very similar. I don't know if you'd agree with that. I'm trying to grasp what you're saying. And so okay. you're saying that the... Bible can speak something different to different people. No, what I'm saying is, okay, if we, how the Hebrews, like they believed, yeah, yeah, yeah. they believed that, okay, there was water under the earth. The earth was flat. There were pillows floating up. There was, they called it the expanse, right? Yeah, the expanse, Above, the they thought there was yeah. firmament. There was these lights coming through. Well, we know that now. Okay, that's not true. But when Moses wrote this, God obviously didn't correct him. Yes. So he was allowing, he was expressing, yes. God was letting Moses express God's truth so that the Israelites and the people of God would understand yes. the way that they would understand. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. And the beauty of modern technology is we have what we would consider the complete word of God now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not, and I'm not, I don't want to offend anyone. I'm not saying I love the word of God. And I believe, I believe it, I yeah, believe yeah, every yeah. word in it. And, um, but I agree with you. It's the redemptive work of God. It's yeah. the story of Jesus. If we don't know the whole of everything, you know, um, because it, the Bible has so many different types of books in it. You have wisdom literature. Wisdom literature means you read like a few, maybe a sentence and you marinate on it for like a year. Like you, you soak in and try to understand it. It has poetry. Mm -hmm. It has ancient autobiography. So that doesn't mean they're trying to get down every detail. They're trying to get down the most important things. That's why yeah. the gospels are very in certain pieces because to Luke, he was a doctor more, you know, some of those things are more important to him. Matthew mm -hmm. was writing to a Jewish audience. So, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so for them and to, to reinforce what you're saying is the Bible wasn't, written in the exact physics that really happened because 
then a ancient Israelite would have been like, what's a cell phone? I don't know. You know what I mean? Or whatever. If, and that's probably primitive. You know, I remember that reminds me, I, th- I don't know if it's in Revelation or not, um, a story about, probably make this up, maybe it's not even in the Bible. <laughs> I don't know if it's in like Jerusalem, somewhere over there, where two people are going to like, the whole world's going to see two people. Oh, the two witnesses. Two, is that what it is? Yeah. Like, the two witnesses. And I remember in a Bible study, they're like, well, how can that be? That doesn't make sense. Like, well, now maybe it's made for like, oh, it's going to be on TV now. Yeah. Like back then, oh, it didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Like, but now to our time that it could be TV, like yeah, different. For sure. Because we have, you know, the internet now we have social media. So you would, we can see literally everything happening sometimes in real time or like not even three minutes after it happens. So yeah. I can see that. That's really cool. Book Revelation is a really cool thing to study. So back to heaven, cause we got off on a really cool tangent, on the <laughs> which I love. Um, so you mentioned too about how a lot of people believe that we are going to be floating spirits. Mm-hmm. So a lot, a lot of people believe that. Yeah. So tell us about that. Like, how do you think we are going to exist in heaven? So again, now we understand we're not going someplace. Earth becomes renewed and it's not, um, a magical spirit dimensional earth. That's no longer physical, right? It's an actual earth. If we can understand that. So then we will inhabit this actual earth. Uh, with physical bodies. And uh, where do we get that proof from the Bible? Mm -hmm. I would say the two main pieces that I look to is pre-curse. So Adam and Eve, were they real? Were they physical beings? Did they walk? Did they eat? Did they do all the things that we would assume that they did in the garden and on earth? Because that was before the curse, right? So, and the Bible says that they walked with the Lord. So we know that their that their physical essence was able to be in the fullness of God. Right now, you know that that's the whole thing. And as you read through the Old Testament, if you're reading it for the first time as a new Christian, you're like, like, why did Moses get put in the cleft of the rock? Or like, you know, why did like they can't look at God and like all these things is because mm-hmm. we just can't. Like we would, I think our mind would explode. I don't know. You know, <laughs> we we'd die or something. And so. Um, Clearly, precurse the way that we were originally. And it's funny because the thief on the cross, uh, when Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise, the word there is Eden. So mm-hmm. you'll, you'll actually be with me in Eden. So like the original blueprint for heaven, I believe, and, and I've heard many scholars reinforce this, is that Eden was actually the, the original heaven that is going to be restored back into that original state, mm-hmm. which is super cool to think about which means adam and eve had the original glorified bodies glorified just meaning after we've died and we have been reconciled with christ the bible says we'll get new bodies so we're going to go back to the way that god intended everything everything before adam and eve screwed everything up exactly (laughs) (laughs) including physical corporeal bodies so I believe. And then what other proof do we have that we, so first we have the pre fall. The other proof is, uh, we see Jesus after he's died and resurrected Mm -hmm. a real body. Now, uh, I don't think any of your listeners think that Jesus didn't, um, actually die and resurrect. It's more symbolic. Like if you believe that was symbolic, then I would make the claim that you're not actually Christian. You don't believe the full gospel. Like Um, Jesus truly died. His body is dead. And he was brought back to life. His yes. cells reanimate. All yes. the things really happened. Well, his heart stopped beating. Yes. <laughs> Isn't that crazy how some people yeah. believe that was symbolic? Yeah. You know, yeah. I never tie that into like heaven, like that part, that yeah. piece of Jesus ever. So him, yeah. some him afterwards is, and so this brings up a thousand answers with more questions and answers and questions, right? And so, uh, his body was real. It says that he ate with the disciples. Mm-hmm. He drank. So you didn't see um, water and food trickling down a transparent, right? They ask him, he says, I'm not a ghost. 
So he wasn't this spirit floating around. Which means oh, that yeah. they probably saw them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right, a whole right. other. That's a yeah, whole yes, thing yes, how we yes. saw ghosts. And yes. she just had to explain oh, yes. there wasn't one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so Jesus' glorified body, they were uh, one, I forget, I think Mary Magdalene or uh, basically thought he was a gardener until he said like her name again. And so basically he said her name and then because back then, you know, women would like traditionally look at the, the eyes of, of a stranger male. And so he like she like looked at and recognized it was him. So which means we have continuity. So we'll be able to recognize one another. Oh, I know. I think that's a lot of what a lot of people are worried about. Well, and also remember, um, Thomas touched his hands. Yep. There was the touching of the, the hands. Um, now, this was prior to the transfiguration as well. So maybe Jesus will, maybe Jesus was the anomaly, right? The one exception to where he will keep his scars because I've heard people say like, well, I have a scar that I got from when I was a kid and in heaven, if we have bodies, I don't want to have this wicked scar down my knee or something yeah. or whatever. And, and the Bible tells us that, uh, you know, we'll be, our bodies will be made new. So if you're a diabetic or bound to a wheelchair or certain physical things, then that'll all be washed away. Mm -hmm. And so there's a continuity, I believe, in who we are. I think that we'll eat. I think that we will enjoy things. Um, I always thought that uh, heaven was kind of like this, we'll be transported back to the Stone Age, Jesus, biblical times. But like, why, why would it be that? Why would we not have technology in heaven? Yeah, interesting. You know what I mean? Like, and why, and I'm excited because like, Think of the thousands of years of cultures. Like you'll be able to talk to actual ancient Egyptians and be like, what was it like? I don't know. Just like, and understand their, their culture. Like there's going to be cultures. So the Bible talks about there'll be, you know, nations coming and going. We're getting off topic. Sorry. We're getting a little farther. I think all three of us have ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> so it makes for a very crazy podcast. episode. <laughs> so we have physical bodies. Um, again, that Romans eight verse talks about how uh, we, uh, let me read it again. Um, not only so, but verse 23, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown in our as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Mm -hmm. So now we look at it through the lens of a first century Hebrew. Remember, it's always important to kind of contextualize. A first century Old Testament has very little theology about going to this place called heaven or understanding the afterlife. It's all about once you die, you're just in the ground. It's called Sheol. You're just mm -hmm. you're just in the ground. Like that's it. They didn't believe. They didn't believe that. that feeling, it, thinking. No, nope, no. Nope. Who are you talking about? In the Old Testament, believe? like all the Old Testament. Israel. King David. Oh, oh, oh. Yep. He talked about like I'll be no, I'll be no more. Yep. I won't be crying anymore. I won't be. And there's, I, anything. I forget who it was. There's a king or a judge that basically made this big proclamation of like, God, even you are stronger than death. Death, can, And so he's kind of alluding to the hope that maybe God is more powerful than just this bot. Then you just die one day in the, in the ground. And so Jesus comes on the scene and starts talking about how you're going to have this new body. You're going to be redeemed. You're no longer just going to be worm food. You're going to be actually a part of this new creation that is now coming down. And like for us, 21st century, you can go to, a, you know, Rayleigh's or Safeway or whatever and be like, there's food everywhere. There's abundance of food. You can turn on your tap water. There's water everywhere. But like most of the world for most of all time do not does not live in the luxury that we live in currently right right, right in the western 21st century right so for them to like god saying like jesus saying that there's a new jerusalem there's a new creation coming and fulfilling you're gonna your your body like uh, paul is eagerly telling us to anticipate the redemption of our body because like that is gonna that just blew their mind because their whole concept for a first century jew was that you just go into sheol you go to abraham's bosom you, or like bear hug is kind of what that means is like, you're just, and so, so do they have a hope? Like, did they have hope? You know what I mean? Well, they, when we're waiting for a Messiah, they were waiting for a Messiah. And now this is, this is beautiful because now they, they, 
they had Yahweh, so their God of gods. And that temple represented God's presence. We talked about this a little bit earlier. God's presence being on earth now. Because remember, Eden wasn't about God making humans and like, uh, we kind of get left over with earth. No, God made humans in earth and his presence was now there. But the curse broke all that. And now God chose a people and said, the temple is where my presence can be in this very specific place and way. On a certain day of the year, you can attend all these things, right? So now the temple is where God's spirit is. Jesus popped. So their hope was we live righteously. We honor this Yahweh God because he's the God of gods and we honor him with our lives because he can give us blessings and deliver us from nations and give us the promised land. And then he promises a Messiah. So when Jesus walks on the earth, he goes uh, and it's the uh, he, he basically says, I am the way, the truth and the life. Mm-hmm. He's saying, I am now that bridge between mm-hmm. heaven and earth. I am the temple. You're going to tear this temple down. I'm going to raise it again in three days. Mm-hmm. Right. And this, the, the story of the fig tree where the guy, he's like, hey, I saw you under the fig tree. And the guy's like, oh, my gosh, like you, you are, you yeah, must yeah, be God because yeah. you can tell. And then he goes, you think that was impressive? Uh, and he quotes, remember the ladder, um, Jacob's ladder? Well, it's interesting because I was listening to this guy. Uh, I think Mackie again was saying basically like ladder is the complete wrong, wrong translation for that. Like it's not known. And it's actually the only, that's the only word ever known in, uh, used in all of ancient literature. It's this one word and it actually means kind of more like a ramp or like a stairway. So not a ladder. It's not a ladder at all. He was like, huh. that, it's interesting that they, they translate it that way. But um, Jesus is saying, because a, a, an ancient temple, it crossed, and you're talking about ancient Near East, the Ugaritic and all those things, mm-hmm. uh, Mesopotamia, a ziggurat. You know what a ziggurat is? Mm-hmm. So a ziggurat is a type of pyramid mm-hmm. that has steps. So mm-hmm. it kind of looks, and your audience can kind of look it up. But like a ziggurat. Yeah, like Chichen Itza or Ekbalam or any mm-hmm. of those. And so it has these steps that kind of go up. And uh, that in the ancient world, even outside of Israel, a temple is where the gods lived. Right. Okay. Right. And so that's why you, temples across all of ancient Near East and all around the world, actually, um, were considered like holy places because a temple is considered where. And so uh, when Jacob sees this ramp, this thing, I think that it would have been more common for him to see kind of a ziggurat or this, this ramp. And it says that the messengers of God are going up and down. And so they actually end up calling that place Bethel, which means, you know, house of God. And then um, they end up building a temple there and everything. And so Jesus referred, when he's talking to this guy at the fig tree now, he refers back to that and says, I am going to be the, basically the way back and forth because mm. I so you'll way. see the angels ascending yeah. and descending on, on the, the son, son of, man. of man. I did not know he was referring to that. Mm-hmm. And then he says, because I am now the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the father now except through me. Oh, so just, he's saying he's the ramp. I am now the access point. I am the oh, temple wow. on earth. Huh. That's so, interesting. So then when he dies and resurrects, now his body again is glorified uh, and he is it says that he's fishing when he calls to the disciples. He's making a fire, right? So maybe he caught the fish. Mm-hmm. He eats the fi- with them, like right. And so I don't know. Going back to the thought of we are not these floating spirits. Um, I, Is there something in the Bible that makes a lot of majority of people think that, like, or they just can't comprehend what it would be? I I don't. The first thing that There's I think of, of people. The first thing that I think of is when um, Samuel was called up from the dead from the, by the witch of Endor. He was a spirit. He wasn't a physical person. And the, I mean, the only physical resurrections that we see are Jesus and Lazarus in the Bible. And when Elisha and Enoch were taken up, they are Elijah and Enoch. They were taken up whole. They, they left like the earth. They didn't even die. We, there really isn't a lot but then you have Abraham's bosom, the rich man of Lazarus. They could see each other. But that was a parable to that explain parable. something, right? Yeah. Some people don't think it's a parable, though, because it had a name. Yeah. It's pretty consistent. What I've heard and read and understood is it's pretty consistent with all his parables. Okay. Um, but. I mean, I don't have. I'm not yeah, a that's, that's I'm here not or there. One way that's or the other. to me. So that also asks. So that brings up the topic of. 
what happens immediately after we die? Mm -hmm. Do we lose all sense of time and space and we're instantly at the end of time with the final judgment and all creation is now caught up to wherever Armageddon is, right? Or is there an intermediate time to where we are waiting? Like a waiting place. A waiting place. Is that... Is there, that... there are verses that also talk about so the, the being asleep, of... like those who are asleep yes. in the Lord. So first that's so... Thessalonians, Paul refers to that. Um, and I haven't done a word study on that yet. And I'd, I'd be interested on that's, you know, what I want to kind of look at next amongst my other thousand other things I want to <laughs> be interested in. But um, so a few things that we do for sure know about what I would, what I think Randy Alcorn actually terms as the present heaven. So it's like right now, after you die, uh, not the eternal, or the glorified heaven that comes down to earth and, and the renewed creation. Because um, they would have to be two separate places because if heaven and earth are going to become one at the end of everything, right? So some people think that heaven is outside of time and space reality and well, there's no way we could comprehend it. So it's already kind of like, like, sorry, reference, like the flash, <laughs> like how there's things happening at the same time already in the future. Like the future's already happened. Yes. So it could be like when people die now, they instantly are transposed to the new heaven and the new earth in the future. Uh-huh. That is insane. There's no way to Does the it. verse where it says a thousand days on earth, what is it? Is like one. Oh, to the Lord, yeah, to yeah. one day. Does so that one day have reference? Like a thousand years, a thousand years to one day. I just think that to me, to me, I don't know how to you, Sam, but to me, that just shows that God's time is so different from ours and he doesn't. He's not bound by time like we are. That's how I take that. I mean, to me, I would read from that that God is all powerful. So, like, again, we get stuck on kind of these smaller details of like, well, did the original author in Hebrew actually mean a thousand days? Is he calculating year? Like, I just was thinking if that, if that could reference to heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To me, that that's heaven. kind of showing like God is okay, just as all powerful. Yeah. He's above oh. everything, okay. any whatever, and so. Okay. Um, so I think that the present heaven, what we do know, there's only, I think, three, maybe four, if you count the rich man and Lazarus, uh, verses that talk about the present heaven, what happens instantly after we die. So Paul refers to sleep, those who are asleep. Mm -hmm. You have the witch of Endor, which is the only time in the entire Bible where you have this very unique experience of this actual continuity of, it was actual Samuel. It wasn't some, mm -hmm. you know demon trying he to said, why like, are you waking me up yep he says why are you waking me up mm -hmm. uh you have jesus with the thief on the cross he says today you will be with me in paradise now some people could read into that and say well today refers to jesus outside of time and space so like today is him instantly transported to the end of time so like there's no time gap like okay occam's razor kind of just says he means today okay. <laughs> not like the end of time today um and then in Philippians, that's the kind of the one where when when you die, you are with Christ. So Paul just kind of quotes that. And that's the misquoted one about to be absent from the body, to be present with Christ. It's, it's not that. He's just saying, like, I eager to be with Christ one day, but it's better for you that I stay here. You yeah. know what I mean? And so he's not, I don't know, making a theological statement about our being after we die. Right. Um, I do see supported that one though. Always gave me comfort. That scripture, because I always thought, as soon as we die, we're with Jesus. Which I'm not saying that's not true. Okay. Because there are people who have near death experiences. If you believe in those, which I do believe in some of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they say that they have encounters with Jesus. Yeah. And and there's again, Jesus told the man on the cross, "Today you'll be with me in paradise," or Eden. So like I, so to me. What I see is one thing that I, uh, what helped me understand this is in Revelation 6, it's talking about those who have been martyred or killed for the sake of the gospel. And uh, again, Revelation is apocalyptic, you know, apocryphal, it is so hard to interpret. But it says this uh, they called out in a loud voice, those who have been, how long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? And each of them was given a white robe and they were told to wait a little longer until full 
the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters were killed just as they had been. So clearly time and space, the whole theory of we're outside of time and space isn't true <laughs> because that verse is telling them to wait. So I believe, and I, this, this might rattle some people. I believe that if you, once you die now, you're not instantly transported to the end of time. I think that you are able to view the earth. That's what well, it's a question he, I Hebrews. Yeah. Hebrews talks about you're surrounded by cloud, by cloud, by witnesses. cloud witnesses. Yeah. yeah, which means that God may allow people to see certain things. I agree with you. I don't think that we're instantly transposed to the end. I do think there is a time, a space of waiting. And the, the do we of, know if we die? Do we know that we're in that waiting? No one knows. No one's been on that side and back other than Jesus. Let us know. But like, and so my only argument against the Samuel thing, the witch of Endor, which a lot of people hinge on that thing is that was a different covenant. And I don't want to just lean on that for the sake of argument. But like, I think that the old Testament and the Israelites were, have a different way of being judged and clearly because they didn't have Christ and now we do. And so I think that uh, they live their life honoring God and God looked at each individual life and how they lived for him. Like their faith was their counted faith, as righteousness. Yes. And their, their works and how they lived for us. This is the beauty. Again, the beauty of Jesus is through Jesus alone and grace and faith in him that we get saved. And so I, so for me, not saying that like it's going to take God time and we'll be in a wait list to what, like, but I think now that we have Jesus, once we die, we're instantly, um, like determined, <laughs> sorted, right? Okay. So what about the day of judgment? That's referenced in the book of Revelation because it, it talks about the white throne judgment, mm -hmm. the book of life. Do you think those are all just symbolic of what happens each time a person dies? Or do you think it's all going to happen at one time for everyone? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I think that, yeah, that's a, that's a hard one. Uh, maybe, hmm. maybe it's every time someone dies, because again, to me, if I'm staying consistent to me, we're not transported to the end of time. I think that the Bible shares in the few verses that there's some sort of timing in heaven. I mean, they sing. You have to have timing to sing. It's just, I'm not a singer, but yeah. I know that much, <laughs> right? There's instruments. You have to have timing for instruments, right? And all these things yeah. that kind of support, you know, these background layers that support this concept of time. And so um, I think that like um, the late great pastor Rick Baldwin, I think about this, like, I think he's watching over us as one church. Like, I think he's up there and watching over his wife and family and, and us and and a part of me, like that was a man that I looked up to and a, heaven, a godly man, godly pastor. And I do things throughout my day that I'm like, I want to make this man proud. And I, mm -hmm. we all have people like that in our lives, right? Of like someone that passed on. I think this concept is where we get the idea of like, grandma's watching over me. And like, maybe. Let's, I want to define what that means. Yeah. Because I have felt every time when someone says my loved one's watching over me, some people equate that to that person has power to protect me mm. or I can talk to them and they're going to show me things or they become an angel. Mm. They become my guardian angel. Mm. And we know theologically that's not correct. No. So I just want to clarify for our listeners that watching over means that we believe as in Hebrew states and I'll, I'll find the verse that there is a great cloud of witnesses and the way that Paul describes that or whoever wrote the book of Hebrews describes that. Um, it's alluding to like a race that we're in mm -hmm. and there's like, you know, the stands around you, they're cheering you on. And that's what he's talking about. Is there a scripture where it talks about them praying for us? Like real people when they died? No, no. Uh, talks about Jesus and our seats for us. Mm -hmm. Um, but them, you know, people praying for us mm -hmm. when they're dead. Yeah. I don't, not that to my knowledge, okay. there's no scripture that yeah. supports that. No. Just Jesus interceding. And in the book of Revelation, it talks about the prayers of the saints or like incense going up to yeah. God. But no, I don't think there's, I mean, 
you know, the martyrs, like you said, they're just talking to God saying, okay, can you hurry up and punish all these people? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. They're waiting but, for their day. Right. But no, I don't think there's any. Hebrews 12. Scripture is it? Is that therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us in the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Yeah. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Yeah. So that's a cool verse. Yeah. Which one was it? Hebrews 12 one. So for me, I think we are physical bodies. We see that with precursed bodies. We see that with resurrected Jesus. Um, Paul talks about how we should eagerly anticipate the redemption of our bodies. I think that according to some of the scriptures that we've talked about, there is this, and I, I again, this might offend people, but I think that there is this sense of time and that we are anticipating and watching our, our loved ones. Um, you know, now I don't, Someone asked me once, like, does that mean that my grandma's watching me go to the bathroom? Like, I, I, I don't know. You can get super into detail with all that stuff, but I think. See, that's why I think it's it's limited to what God allows people to see. I believe that. If he is allowing people to see us, I believe it's limited. I believe that he has power over what, because obviously, like, we're more undressing in our rooms and yeah, yeah. going to the bathroom. I mean, I don't. Unless people in heaven don't look at stuff like that. Like yeah. it doesn't bother them anymore. Or it's or, not even. Because they're not omniscient and they're not omnipresent. They're not. They can't see. Yeah. I don't believe yeah. everything like God can. Yeah. So maybe God allows them to see like the people that they love yeah. at certain times. So I have a question about Jesus's resurrected body real quick. Um, Jesus walked through a wall after he was resurrected. <laughs> Which I think is one of the coolest things <laughs> ever. So then the it bears asking the question, if if that's going to be our bodies, some people believe that when we get to heaven, we will have the ability to walk through things. I don't know. That kind of sounds dumb when you say it out loud, because obviously you have to stand on the ground and open doors. And But some people believe that, that we will have the same ability that Jesus has. So this is a, a path that Randy Alcorn goes down a little bit in heaven that I totally am buying into. And I, based off that, again, this is more conjecture than kind of pulling from scripture, but it, you can support it. One, Jesus was a glorified body. We don't read about Adam and Eve walking through doors or whatever. So we don't know. There's no context that, that wasn't important for why they wrote it. Jesus has this ability to either pass through material objects and or like uh what's it called uh transport himself uh yeah you know what i mean like mm -hmm. i saw the ethiopian philip and the ethiopian, ethiopian unit yeah so like can jesus uh what's that word where you poof you're over here now and poof you're over here X-Men is Nightcrawler, the guy that does that. <laughs> Anyways, so like, it, so Randy talked about this and like, and then also we were created, the Bible says that we will rule over nations. Well, from the beginning of time till the end of time, there's that many people that are saved, hopefully a, a lot, the earth is going to be too small. So his postulation, and I'm totally buying into this just because I'm a Star Wars sci-fi geek, is that <laughs> the universe will be redeemed. So... This, so we may govern, we might be able to instantly transport over to another planet light years away that we govern, that we have a culture and a beauty. Like I tell my wife all the time, if all heaven was is just me transporting myself to different I'm planets <laughs> and watching sunrises <laughs> oh, for the rest of time yeah. or sunsets and sunrises for the rest of time. I'm, yeah, I'm yes, ready. Let's yes, go. please. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and so that one's a little bit more conjecture, but based off of like, we'll be ruling of nations, we'll have cultures coming and going through the city. Jesus glorified body is able to do some of these, what we would consider supernatural or sci-fi things, then I would say yes. And I hope for that. All right. <laughs> so I hate to do this, Sam, but we're already at an hour. Oh, so this is part one, people of our heaven series. Join us for part two. And the number one question I'm going to ask when we get back is, will we be able to fly? So stay <laughs> tuned, people, for part two. Thanks for listening, you guys. And we'll see you next time. All right. Bye.
Hey guys, you made it to the end. We hope you enjoy this episode. You can find us on Instagram or reach out to us through email. Our contact info will be in the show notes on our podcast page, and we would love to hear from you. Please be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can help by giving us a five-star review and sharing your favorite episode by tagging us on social media. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.